Welcome to the podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope this message brings you hope and encouragement. If you want to share what God has done for you, you can email us at saw at rttnchurch.com. That's S-A-W at rttnchurch.com. SAW stands for Signs and Wonders, and what better way to display God's power than through your testimony? Let's get right into the message. Matthew 16, verse 18. Thank you, Lord. And I say also unto you, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want to continue a thought that I started last week about the kind of culture, the kind of church culture that God is calling us to. And I want us to open our hearts to receive a download and make sure, how many know alignment is important? It's important that you go to a church you can get in alignment with. If you're sitting up in a church somewhere, and you might be watching me online, if you're sitting up in a church somewhere and miserable every Sunday, not only are you miserable, but your misalignment is making everybody on your row miserable. You need to go to a place that is aligned with what the Father has designed His church and the culture of His church to look like. I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about the kind of church Jesus is building. If Jesus were building a church, what kind of church would it be? If Jesus were building the church, what kind of church would it be? How many want to be that kind of church? I said, how many want to be that kind of church? Lift your hands right now. Pray with me. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. I need you today, Lord God. They need you. We need you. You're doing something wonderful at Redemption, and I'm thankful for what you're doing, God, but I'm I'm grateful you're just getting started. You're just getting started. And I pray in the name of Jesus, we'll open our hearts to hear the word of the Lord, that our hearts today, God, would be ready to receive in a position and posture to receive what you're doing and saying so that we can all be on the same page, unity. Unity in this house produces the commanded blessing of God. Everything out of alignment, snap it back into alignment today, God. Put us in place, put us in order, put the house in order, fix it, fix it, fix it, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Be seated in the presence of God. So, uh, last week we talked about... um, Ron, would you just stay right there? Yeah. I, just real soft. You don't even have to play as heavy as you were. That's perfect. Because um, I don't know what we're going to do today or get, where we're going, but we're going somewhere. Amen? Um, we talked last week about culture, and uh, we talked about the kind of culture that God was looking for in a house. We talked about worship last week. This week I want to continue the thought regarding culture. And I I know there are some people who reach out for greater understanding of what I might talk about when I say things like what kind of culture is in your church. 
Culture, let me simplify it and see if I can as best as I can by describing and defining culture as the air we breathe. It's the water we swim in as a church. It's the reality of the atmosphere that you're sitting in today. When someone says a church culture, some people say, I don't have it. We don't have a church culture. We, we just full of the Holy Ghost. No, you have a church culture whether you say you do or not. The culture is what people experience when they walk through the door. Now, here's what I have found in a church. Many churches have come to a place of understanding the need to define what they want their church to be. That's why we have vision statements and purpose statements and mission statements. But one of the things that we understand is that sometimes people articulate the kind of church they want to be, but they're in actuality not what they've said they want to be. Because what I have found out is it's much easier to say who you want to be than it is to contend for who you really are going to be. And if you're going to be the kind of church that pushes back darkness and invites the kingdom of God to come, you are going to have to contend for that. Culture is not something that it gets established accidentally. In fact, I wrote this note down as I was praying this morning. Um, the more religious a region is, the more you have to reiterate and reinforce what it is God is trying to build. <sighs> Let me rewind that and say that again for you. The more religious a region is, the more you have to reiterate and reinforce what it is you're trying to build and God is trying to do in your church. Why? Because the more religious a place is, the more it has the capacity to pull you back as a church into previous expressions and try to keep you from stepping into the newness that God is trying to unveil in the house. I know that you don't want to hear this, but churches are some of the, the, the last likely to change. And the reason is because we always talk about and worship a God who never changes. But the problem is you thought the way you did church was God and so now you're trying to protect the way you've always done church and you say things like God doesn't change. I know he doesn't, but you will. And if you don't make transitions, then you become incapable we become incapable of a as a church of being able to reach and touch and minister to people who need the message of the gospel the message never changes but methods always change i said methods never methods always change the message never changes but the method always, always changes. And I want you to understand, churches can spend, watch, their resources, their time, their energy, trying to recreate a previous place that they were in the kingdom. And what I want us to do is spend our life discovering God and the kind of culture he wants to create in this house. I don't want to spend our time trying to prop up a dead expression or trying to shock something that God actually let die. Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? 
And we got churches this morning that cannot get a breakthrough and they do not have a move of God going on because they're still mourning over what used to be alive but is now dead, wishing they could resurrect the past. And the fire is still burning. It's just that the cloud has moved on and we haven't moved with the cloud. I want you to hear me tell you this morning, God will never die. The move of God will never stop. The glory of God will never cease. The increase of his kingdom shall know no end. You will never find a moment where God is so in trouble that he doesn't know what to do in the future of the church. God is the church builder, and the church is built on the rock, and the rock is Jesus Christ. And I don't care how crazy and hellbound this world is, the church has victory, and the church always has a purpose so I, I was praying into this and, and, and what I want us to do is grab and embrace the kind of culture God wants to have how many want to go how many like going to places where you feel unwelcomed I've gone to preach for before at places, and I leaned over to Chris, and I say, did you call them to ask me to come preach there? I thought they called us. Because you come in, and it's like they forgot you were coming, and you were just an afterthought. God gets to choose what he likes. He has preferences. He hangs out in certain places. There are certain kind of houses Jesus likes going to. And I read the scripture I read to you today because I want you to catch something. He said to Peter, you're Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it is directly connected to him building the church. Which means if you want to be the kind of church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against, then you got to make sure you let the church you're going to be built by Christ. Victory is connected to who you let build the church. And I've been telling the Lord the last few weeks, I don't want to build this church. I want you to build this church. Here's the deal. He's the chief architect. He is the chief architect. Ready for this? He's the general contractor of the church. Amen. And it's important for us going forward. We've been having these conversations. It's important for us going forward that we capture what we believe God is saying to us about what kind of church and culture in this church we're going to have. I just want to say it simply as I can like this. I want to be the kind of church God enjoys coming to. How many want this house to be the kind of house that God enjoys coming to? You say, Pastor, well, I want to be the kind of church that people like coming to. Here's what I found out. If you are the kind of church that God likes coming to, you will be the kind of church people like coming to. Because we have bit a lie. We have believed and bit a lie many places in the kingdom of God. And we say things like, well, you got to choose. Are you going to make God happy or the people happy? That is a lie. 
The two are not mutually exclusive. The fact of the matter is, if you're the kind of church God likes coming to, you won't have a problem with people coming to your church. Because most people are tired of looking for God and finding more church. What they're looking for is a church that has found more God. And when they get there and find God, they'll stay in their... Are you following me today? Come on, look at somebody right now. Tell them, neighbor, I want God. I want God to come. If God comes, then the sick will come. If God comes, then the lost will come. If God comes, then the hopeless will come. If God comes, then the red and the yellow and the black and the white, the Latino, the Chinese, the Caucasian, the the immigrant. Come on, somebody. If God comes, many times, though, we're more interested in people than we are God. And we think that we're honoring and we're, 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 we're being somehow really, really uh, welcoming to people in the name of pushing God out. But I'm going to tell you right now, God is the one that draws. He's the main attraction. So here's what I've been studying. And I don't know how far I'm going to get into this today. But I've been studying when Jesus goes to different houses. Because I want him to come to this house. I want him to talk about redemption to the nation's church in heaven. I know this is crazy. Just follow me for a minute. I want angels to be like, God, all he talks about is that church. I mean, he talks about how they love people and reach people and care for people and minister to the community and minister to the... I want us to have a reputation in heaven. I want us to be the kind of place, this is heavy, but catch it. I want us to be the kind of place where angels are not afraid to traffic in. Some of you are like, I don't know about angels. Read the Bible. Come on, angels are very powerful beings, right? And, 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 and the Bible says in the book of Genesis that when, when, when uh, Jacob got a revelation that he was at Bethel, the, watch this, he was at the, the house of God. He actually called it the gate of heaven for there. watch. Angels were ascending and descending. Why would that matter? That angels are ascending and descending? So what? Do you think they came empty-handed? Do you think they came empty-handed? I don't think so. I think it's really wonderful when angels are ascending and descending in a place. I think it would be just amazing if every time we gathered, there was just an open gate to heaven and angels were ascending and descending. And Like Deb prayed last night, a person who didn't have a left eye just all of a sudden got in between an angelic visitation and all of a sudden an eye just... Pop into socket. You think this stuff is crazy? I'm telling you, heaven is trying to invade earth. This is more than a religious two and a half hour church service on Sunday morning. Heaven is trying to invade earth. There are things that heaven has to release. He's simply looking for a people who will host him well. And culture, culture is everything. And it's it's not like the most important thing It's just the most important thing that we get it right. For a church to experience heaven on earth. Okay. So here's how it works, in my opinion. God, when God got ready to build the tabernacle in the Old Testament, he called Moses up onto a mountain, right? And in Exodus chapter 25 and 26, he gave Moses a blueprint of what the tabernacle was to be built like. 
Watch. Moses had never seen a tabernacle. Moses didn't know how to build one. But God called Moses up in a mountain and he said, I want you to make it this long and this wide. I want you to put a menorah in it. I want you to put a table of showbread in it. I want you to put a big thick curtain in it. I want you to put the ark of the covenant on the other side. What's the ark of the covenant? Well, it's a box of wood covered in gold because it represents Jesus. The wood represents his humanity. The gold represents his deity. The top was covered with a golden cap and on that golden top was two angels facing one another made out of beaten gold. God, I wish I had time to teach on the tabernacle today. Why did it? Why was it significant that the angels were facing each other on the ark of the covenant and there between the two angels, God said, I will come down and meet with my people. Those two angels made out of beaten gold were a reminder that worshipers are still where God meets. He took people which represent you and I and made out of beaten gold. Don't miss it. They were beaten into a posture of worship. Life had me down but it just beat me into a posture of I'm going somewhere. And between keep your arms up Samuel. And between those two cherub who were made out of gold facing one another. Between those worshiping angels. Jesus said I'll come down. God said I will come down and meet with my people right there. Watch. Moses knew nothing about it till God gave him the blueprint. It was a prototype in the mind of God established in heaven before it was ever established on earth. Don't ever forget this. There is a tabernacle in heaven. There is an altar in heaven. And there is still fresh blood applied to the altar in heaven that is still speaking on our behalf. And it speaks better things than that of Abel. God, I wish I had a church to help me preach today. But God didn't want it just to exist in heaven. He wanted it on earth. So he gave it to a man named Moses. Moses, if he wanted God to meet with the people, had to build it the way God showed him how to build it. Fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus came to establish the kingdom of God on earth. I taught you this several months ago, but the kingdom of God is an already not yet kingdom. We're experiencing measures of the kingdom already, but we will experience the fullness of the kingdom in the, in the days, weeks, months, and years to come. And it will crescendo and culminate until the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. Nothing will stop the ever-advancing kingdom of Jesus. Nothing. Watch. What we are called to do in this hour is exactly what Moses did. Go up into a mountain with God, receive revelation and download how to build on earth what God has already designed in heaven. How does he do that? It's in Ephesians chapter 4. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The fivefold, well, I don't believe in prophets. You're in trouble. My church never had an apostle. You're in trouble. How can you advance the kingdom if you don't have the people God told you you needed to build what he called you to build? So let me give it to you like this real quick. Five, five G's. Apostles govern. Prophets guide. Evangelists gather. Pastors guard. Teachers ground. If you want to know how this thing, the kingdom of God operates, it operates through those who God establishes. No one's more important. It's called responsibility. Amen. This isn't about titles because most people who are operating in apostolic don't give a rip what you call them. They're going to do what they're doing for the glory of God whether you ever pat them on the back or not. 
And the only one who misses the, who misses the blessing of recognizing those who operate in the fivefold are the ones whose eyes are closed because of dishonor. You will never stop apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers from operating in their gift simply because you don't recognize it or you don't like to honor people. If you're a person of dishonor, get over yourself. You can never, re oh God, don't let me do this. You can never receive the grace and gift of someone if you don't recognize the gift that God has placed in them and that they are to the body of Christ. If all I, and I hate even saying it, but we got to catch this in the church because one of the things that God's doing in the culture of this house is he's establishing a culture of honor. Talk more about that in the days and weeks to come. But if I'm just your friend, I can only release a grace that a friend could release. And how you observe and receive the ministry God has called me to determines the kind of grace you can receive from my ministry. Are you following me? This isn't about me needing a pat on the back or anything like that. I'm simply telling you, you've got to be able to honor the gift that God puts in your life, not just me, but any kind of gift. When a prophet or prophetess come to this house, if you don't honor them appropriately, you can't receive the gift and the grace God put on their life, and neither can it lead you to the intended end that God has in store for you when he brings someone here to speak into your life. If all you do is see a man or a woman then you are limited in your ability to receive from them. But when a prophet or an apostle or evangelist or a pastor or a teacher come and share something with you, if you honor the gift that Jesus gave you in their life, then you can receive from the grace and the anointing that he put on them as well. Is this making sense? Watch. When it comes to developing the culture of the kingdom in a local church, you have to have the fivefold. Apostles, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Apostles ground, oh, pardon me, apostles govern. That doesn't mean they're in charge. It means they're responsible for communicating orders from heaven. Amen. I said orders from heaven. Amen. Prophets guide. Because sometimes, watch, the church and the culture in the church get so out of whack that you got to have a prophetic voice to snap us back in line. Amen. Then evangelists gather. Gary Keelan is an evangelist in our church. Every week he testifies, 55 people got saved. 49 people got saved. I broke three bats and 112 people gave their heart to Jesus. What is that? What is that? There's a grace on his life to gather people into this kingdom of God. But watch this. Sometimes the reason there is no evangelistic thrust in a church is because it's out of order and it won't receive a prophet. God don't trust it with a harvest. Hear me, if you're listening to me today and you're watching me today and you're not seeing souls saved in your church, there's a reason. God trusts the harvest with certain kind of churches that have the culture of the kingdom in it. Amen. Why in the world would God send thousands of people to get saved if after they get saved, the mean people that you haven't corrected in your church run them off? I'm going to walk back here and preach a minute. I'm in a mood to preach right now. Hallelujah. Well, Brother Wallace, oh, God, help me, Jesus. Well, Brother Wallace, they're the biggest tithe payer. God's got bigger ones than they are. The problem is it's mammon. It's a spirit of mammon. 
You're being controlled by a spirit of mammon. You won't preach the truth. I don't even know who I'm talking to. You can't preach the truth because you're afraid it'll run off controlling spirits. Jezebel's got to die, sir, and the spirit of mammon can't control your house. And you need to correct what needs to be corrected so that the harvest can come in. God will not send a harvest to a house that cannot be trusted with one. We need apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers in the church to govern. Apostles govern. Let me get back to it. Prophets guide. Evangelists gather. Pastors guard. Teachers ground. Oh, God. How many know we need some teaching sometimes? And the reality of it is if we don't teach, then we can't reinforce. So the Lord was saying to me this week, Teaching creates doctrine. It establishes doctrine. That's why it's important who you listen to teach. Because what they're teaching becomes doctrine in your heart. And many times every Sunday I'm having to undoctrinate, indoctrinate people who have been indoctrinated with nonsense and foolishness. And what I'm trying to do is fix what we've been taught our whole life about church and get us aligned with the mandate of God on the church in this day and understand the kingdom is trying to invade the now that we are living in. Doctrine, watch. If you will teach doctrine then you can more easily demonstrate the supernatural. The problem is what you don't develop and ground in doctrine, it's hard to reproduce it over and over again. If I keep teaching the truth about the kingdom of God, even when religious people don't like it, that I keep talking about the kingdom of God. If I keep teaching it, it becomes doctrine to us. And when it's doctrine to us, it's more easily to reproduce. And it's easier to stay in that vein and less likely to get pulled out of who God's called you to be and be confused with nonsense and all this stuff that's flying. We got more crazy stuff floating around on Christian TV in this day and time. It's the most unbelievable nonsense I've ever heard. You need to make sure you are hearing the pure, true word of the living God and that you love this word and when you love it and becomes doctrine then you're able to stay in your lane and not get pulled aside with all this other craftiness in, in the church floating around. So we got to have teaching sometimes. Teaching is, has to be reinforced and iterated and reiterated. Right? So when God wants to establish his kingdom, he puts fivefold in place to govern, guide, gather, guard, and ground. And he, he, he calls that outfit to establish heaven on earth. It will never be the fullness of what we will experience one day when we get to heaven. I am not a kingdom now theologian, okay? I do believe we will go to heaven and all this will get much grander and much bigger and much better on a scale that we can't even articulate. Here's what I don't believe. 
I don't believe, however, we're going to be dead, depressed, dying, hopeless, miserable, our lip tongue dragging the ground, barely make it to heaven one day, cross the finish line and say, farther along, we'll know all about it. Nope. I believe that will be a great crescendo. This thing is going to grow. All the, We're not going out wagging our tail talking about how hard it is. We're going out saying, look what the Lord has done. There will be a crescendo. Yes, we're going to a big party. Yes, it's going to get better. But I'm not going to live in hell on earth till I get to heaven. I'm taking this heaven that I'm going to one day, and I'm living in eternal life right now. Anybody living in it right now? This is different than how I was grown, raised when I was growing up. When I was raised growing up, we were holding on I mean, we had mothers in the door. You holding on, baby? I'm still holding on. Well, keep on keeping on. Praise God. I'm glad for the holding on. You got to hold on. But I want to tell you, I don't have to wait till I get to heaven to taste it. Let that sink in. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven to taste it. You are enabled and permitted and given access to taste heaven right now. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is. Somebody shout good. So the church is not just an agency of holding on. The church is an agency of introducing people to what shall be in the future. So let's decide what kind of church you want to join. Come get saved. You're going to be miserable. You're going to go through hell. The devil's going to torment you all night long. You're never going to have any joy, never going to have any extra money, never going to go on vacation, but praise God we're going to heaven. Sign up today. Or come join the kingdom. Yes, you got an enemy, but you've already been given victory. Yes, you're going to have bad days, but this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Yes, you're going to go through some trials, but many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him or her out of them all. Yes, you've got an adversary, but you'll trample over every serpent and every harmful thing, and you'll drink it, and it will not harm you, and no weapon formed against you will be able to prosper, and you'll have joy unspeakable and full of glory, and you'll rejoice in the Lord always. And again, what kind of church do you want to join? What kind of church do you want to join? I've never told you, and I'll never tell you, you'll get saved and it'll get easier. But I'll tell you this you'll get saved and it will get better. I said it will get better. Why does it get better? Because I got somebody walking with me that knows how to. Lay me down and sing me to sleep at night and wake me up with joy in the 
Hallelujah. I'm telling you right now, we have presented to the world this anemic, limp-wristed, dying, depressed thing called the church. And I've come to tell you that's not the kind of church Jesus said he would build. He said upon this rock, I'll build it, and the gates of hell shall not pre- My God, I feel like preaching in here today. Hell can't win. The fire of hell will never extinguish the passion of the church. You can throw it in the lion's den, but it'll come out on top. You can throw it in the fiery furnace, but will come out not even smelling like smoke. Because if God be for us, who can't be against us? Jesus, help me, God. Build something on earth that looks like heaven, feels like heaven, and sounds like heaven. I don't want to pastor a church, Bart, and one day thousands of people who we led to get to heaven one day and go, wow, this is so different than what we thought it was going to be. I mean, I know know it's going to be beyond anything we've ever seen or could articulate. Don't misunderstand me. But the disconnect between what we preach and what we belong to has got to, it's got to shrink. You're not just a member of a church. You are a citizen of a kingdom. Look at somebody with a little attitude. Tell them you are a citizen. Come on, Zorro and Z formation. You are a citizen of the, y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Y'all, you are an ambassador of the kingdom of God. Watch, you are a CEO of somebody who owns the company and he put you on this earth to tell everybody in your sphere of influence. I want you to know there is the kind of church Jesus is building. There is a kind of church that God enjoys being a part of. When's the last time you stopped and said, is our church about me or is it about God? I said, that's so harsh. No, I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm trying to put things into perspective. If we get our priorities in order, not only will you be happy, but God will. It's the most important thing that God be pleased when he comes to the house. There are atmospheres God can do more in. Oh, my Lord, I love it when I blow people's minds. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, there are atmospheres God can do more in. Now, his inability to do something in an atmosphere has nothing to do with his capacity or power. Because God ain't hard up for anything. He'll come up in a place that hates him, and he'll do whatever he wants just to show himself God. But as a matter of principle... There are atmospheres God 
excels in doing more in. So I've been doing this study on houses that Jesus walked into and the kind of house Jesus liked to go to. And if you start studying Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the times Jesus goes into houses, it'll blow your mind. Because he went into a number of different houses. I can't even preach them all today. Just, just let me jump into one or two. Can I jump into one or two? I got about 15 minutes here to jump into one or two. And for those of you who didn't say amen, I'm going to anyway. Amen? <laughs> so the first kind of house that Jesus went to is a house called a house of dishonor. And it was a house in a city called Nazareth. It's a synagogue there that he went into. And watch this. It's in Matthew 13. He goes in. The Bible said in Matthew 13, verse 54, all the way down through 58, that he came into his own place, his own town. And in his own city, his brothers and sisters got offended at him. Brothers and sisters. Say brothers and sisters. They became familiar with Jesus as a brother and just a man. And you say, that's not harmful. It is harmful if you understand that your ability to perceive him appropriately determines his ability to release the miraculous into your life. If Jesus is just a man or a brother, then I can understand they were offended when he came in claiming that God was doing something supernatural in his life. But the Bible says in chapter 1356, watch this, they were offended at Jesus because he said unto them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country. Watch, and in his own house. And he could not do any mighty works there except a few because of their unbelief. To honor something is to put the appropriate value on it. Okay? A house of honor is when God walks into the room, nobody has to tell them this is an important moment. They just know the presence of God is here and God, the price on him and the worth of him is absolutely indescribable. Amen. To honor God is to put the right value on him. We've talked about this before, but worship is really come from the old English word worth-ship. What is he worth? So when God comes in, if you don't think he's worth much, if you don't think he's worth all that, then you don't properly honor him, and it's called dishonor, and that's what happened with Jesus. He comes into the synagogue and could only heal a few people because they did not properly value him. Do you know how much dishonor is floating around in the kingdom of God? We're not just dishonoring God. We dishonor each other going to get quiet and tight for the next five. Preachers dishonoring preachers. People dishonoring each other. And every time we tear each other down and we fail to honor the God in them, we're not only dishonoring them, we're dishonoring God. 
And when you create an atmosphere of dishonor, you limit the ability and willingness of God to demonstrate his power. It's not that God couldn't heal everybody in that town. It's that why would he if they don't even know how to appreciate the king of glory who's in their midst? In the next service, we're going to baptize something like 42 people. Isn't that amazing? Today, something is going on with baptism. I mean, there's something. God wants to take people into new life today. Amen? I think every time a person comes up out of the water, we ought to go crazy and celebrate. Well, it's just another baptism service. That is dishonor. It's as if we don't care that another soul has been rescued from the clutch of hell and delivered from the power of sin. And we forget the testimony that Christ has given us grace and we're now walking in the newness of life. Every time a brother or sister come up out of the water, we ought to lose our mind and go crazy because it is a reminder that sin shall not have dominion over you. It is a reminder that the tomb is empty. The cross could not kill him. Death couldn't hold him. I declare to you that we've got to be a people who honor the work of God. We got to be able to celebrate when he heals an ingrown toenail. You think I'm crazy? Well, we want to see cancers healed. You can't even praise him for an ingrown toenail getting healed. I think you ought to honor and celebrate God when he does little things and let him know it's a really big deal no matter how small it is. So what does Jesus do? He does a few works and he moves on. We say this and I'm moving on to the next one. It's the last one. I'll get through today. I don't want to be the kind of church that Jesus is in a hurry to get out of. Jesus comes in, he's like, yo, angels, where's the back door? How many ever been to churches like that? Come on, you didn't want to be there. You know Jesus didn't want to be there. Be, come on, be real, y'all. Well, I'm saved and mean. No, you're saved and stubborn. <laughs> and you need to let God do a work in your heart. And you know I'll be so hateful. Well, it's just how I am. Well, we're tired of it. We're kind of over you. I feel better. Woo! I feel, I feel pounds coming off of me right now. I feel a liberty. <laughs> That's just how I am. Well, we know. That's why we've been praying for you. And we would really appreciate it if you're happy. You would notify your face. Be pleasant. Be kind. Love people. Well, I just got a touch of prejudice. Well, you better get it right. Under the blood. Well, that's how I was raised. That's why God sent you here. He wanted to fix it. I said it. Ready? I'm going to say it. I've said it for 15 years. I'm going to say it one more time. To hell with racism. To hell with racism. It came from hell. I invite you to go back to the pit you were dug out of. May God give us love in this house that changes an entire generation. Say amen.
And if you can't say amen, run, because it'll never change. It's who the kingdom is calling us to be, to love people from every kindred, tribe, nation, tongue, red, yellow, black, white. This is the kingdom of God. Okay. Last one, I'm done. Okay, where's it? It's in my Bible. Where's my Bible? So last one. Okay. Oh, I'm good. I got 11 minutes. One day I'm going to kick this screen. Amen. <laughs> Rick's up here. Jesus, God, help him, Lord. Okay, watch. Say house. Say we want this house to be the kind of house Jesus loves hanging with. Now, here's the thing about Jesus. He will set the culture in order. If he's going to come and he's going to stay and he's going to work, he's going to put the thing in order. And there are going to be some people get mad. Some people get ticked. But there are going to be a whole generation and a multitude get really happy. So there is this man named Jairus who has a daughter who's 12 who got sick and died, right? Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house to touch the girl. On his way, you know the story. Woman with an issue of blood reaches up behind him, grabs him, touches the hem of his garment. Power goes out of him, goes into her. She gets healed. The woman that's been sick for 12 years gets healed and an amazing miracle that happens in the street of the city, right? He keeps walking to Jairus' house. And when he gets to Jairus' house, don't miss, he hears, I'm in Matthew chapter 9, I'm in verse 23. When Jesus came to Jairus' house, he saw the flute players and the, he heard the noisy crowd wailing. Don't miss the details. He didn't like the sound in that house. I'm getting ready to preach. Little flute players playing the flute. And mourners who were wailing and, and eulogizing the dead girl. Here comes Jesus. Oh, Jesus, so meek and mild. Jesus, lover of my soul. Jesus, lily of my valley. Jesus, bright and morning star. And he comes into the house and says, shut up. I'm, read it. He said, stop it and in fact, get out. Oh, but Jesus wants the church to grow. No, he wants to set the house in order. And if you want to make the right sound, you can stay. But if you insist on your dead eulogies, and if you insist on your depression and your sadness and always telling everybody how hopeless it is, that's not the house he's looking for. 
I know people don't like this, and I'm not preaching just triumphantism theology. I am simply telling you there are sounds that attract him and sounds that repel him, and premature, premature eulogies and premature mourning is something that Jesus had to tell to get out of the house. What kind of sound are you offering in this house? Because we have a corporate sound, but I'm interested in what your contribution to the corporate sound is. Boy, I almost preached a message this morning called the silence of the lambs. I'm getting ready to preach it right now, Brother Larry. Hallelujah. I almost preached a message called the silence of the lambs because my Bible said in, in Psalm chapter 115 verse 2 that the dead shall not praise the Lord. The only people who are permitted to remain silent in the house of the Lord are those that are dead, dead on the outside or dead on the inside. Everybody else that's got breath has a commandment to bless the Lord. The Bible said in Psalm 150, praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the heavens. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him on the cymbals. Praise him in the timbrel. Praise him with a high-sounding cymbal. Praise him on the stringed instruments. Praise him in the dance. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Why am I praising him? Because I'm not dead. I used to be, but I'm not dead anymore. He raised me up to newness of life. Jerked me out of the cesspool of my own sinful living. Gave me a new mind. Turned me around. Transformed my heart. Gave me new joy. I've got a right to praise him. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. The Bible said God is known in Judah. Somebody lift up Judah and bless the Lord. Done. He put them all out. This isn't even about being quiet. God doesn't put a premium on loudness if the sound you're making is not one that honors and welcomes the king. I've preached in churches before. Every Sunday, the last song they sing, come hell, high water, or a million people get saved, is precious memories, how they linger. How about a great future? I mean, I'm thankful for precious memories, but how about a wonderful future we have? Can we sing about the future and not just about where we've been? Come on, somebody. I'm grateful. Listen, listen, don't ever let this house, God, become filled with the noise of hopelessness. He said to the flute players and those who were wailing, get out. Brother Wallace, that's stern. No, it's not. What we really just need to do is find the new sound and stay a while. Because there are people he let stay in the room, namely Peter, James, and John. Oh, if I had time. My point is this. Our sound will either welcome 
or send signals to the king that we're not quite ready for him yet. And I want the sound of worship of this house to be the kind of sound that allows him to come and not just come, but raise dead things back to life. We started praying last night at intercessory prayer and Devin felt a real strong anointing for cancer to be healed in this house. Cancers. In fact, God gave her a word of knowledge, stage four cancer. Well, brother, that just don't happen no more. Shh. Murmur. Complain. Naysay. It'd be better just to hold your peace than to contaminate the atmosphere. How are we going to mourn a 12-year-old girl who's dead when Jesus just told you she ain't dead? She's just sleeping. Like if I were the flute player and he said she's not dead, she's just sleeping, I'd change my song. The river of God sets my feet a-dancing. The river of God. I, I changed my song. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord. Y'all follow me today? I would change. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, change your song. You got to change your song. I don't know how long your mess has lasted. I don't know how long your sadness has endured. I just came to tell you it all has an expiration date. Weeping endures for a night and joy comes in the morning. And when God walks into the room, he'll change the diagnosis and change the season. If he ever changes your season, it's time for you to change your sound. Somebody right now, give him a sound of praise. Stand up with me and give him a sound of worship. Hallelujah. Come on, we're not just going to fade out right here. Somebody tell him, thank you, God. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God. It's a season of triumph. Put a triumphant sound on it. Listen. A radical sound of praise is coming up out of this house. Our future will be filled with sounds of the kingdom. And the kingdom of God is not a dying, drying up kingdom. It is a kingdom. It is a kingdom that is on the move. It is a kingdom that is expanding. It is a kingdom that is growing every day. I'm telling you right now, the kingdom will never go out of business. The kingdom will never go under. We will never file bankruptcy or chapter 13. The kingdom of God is on the move. Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom of God? The culture of the kingdom. When Jesus walks into a room, he brings the kingdom with him. He shifts the atmosphere. Death reigned until the life walked in. 
hopelessness reigned until hope walked in. Somebody thank him for the day he walked into your life and praise him that he's walking into this house right now. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Glory, 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 glory. Glory, glory, glory. I'm telling you, I feel the Holy Spirit in here today. God is changing your tune. Okay, thank you, Holy Ghost. I don't even know all this revelation, but I, I hear the Lord saying, I'm tuning the house. I'm tuning this house to the sound of the kingdom. Do it, God. I need everybody to get in harmony right now. I want you to just lift your hands and give your life to God and say, God, whatever sound you want me to contribute to this house, come on. Lord, let my voice, my life, my heart, my obedience, let my entire being bring honor and glory to you. Come on. We're getting in harmony. We're coming in harmony right now. Harmony right now. Everybody doesn't sound the same, but everybody comes together and brings their part in making one harmonious sound of glory unto God right now. Come on. Let's lift that up. That Tehillah praise, that new song. Give it to the chief musician. Come on, Bohoshi. Come on, some of you need to begin to sing in the spirit. The Bible said, I will sing in understanding and I will sing in the spirit. Come on. We worship you this morning. Oh, glory, glory, glory. Some of you are getting your joy back as you sing in the Spirit. As you sing in the Spirit, your joy is being restored. Your sound is changing today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Come on, turn your volume up just a little louder. Just a little louder. Just a little, another, another minute, another minute of worship. Another minute. I need some people to come to the altar right now. Just lift your hands and lift your voice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, worshipers. Come on, worshipers. Just fill the altar. Fill the aisles. We give you a sound of worship, Lord. Let the cancers be healed. Let the cancers be healed. Let the sicknesses be healed. Let the tumors dissolve. Let the blood diseases be healed. In the name of Jesus. In the glory of your presence. Come on. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. I need some people to come fill this side of the altar. I need some worshipers to come and just lift your hands. Come on. We worship you, God, today. We worship you, God. Come on, get on your microphone, singers, and lift your voice. Musicians, lift your music to the Lord. The King of glory. The King of glory. The King of glory. I know who you are. You're the King of glory. Anybody know who he is? You're the King of glory. You're not just another man. You're not just another man. 
you're the son of the living God, Jesus. Somebody lift them up today in worship. before we go because the language of the kingdom is breaking out the culture of the kingdom is breaking out Woo! come on the nature of the kingdom is breaking out right now the healing of the nations is breaking out miracles, miracles and wonders are breaking out the atmosphere, the atmosphere of heaven is breaking out right now, right now.
microphone up! Open up your mouth and let that sound out show! Hey! You're I know this is getting ready to be a little bit crazy, but I just heard the Holy Ghost say, dance on injustice. I don't usually like it, but I wish we had a click track and I wish we could do about 60 seconds of crazy praise and about 150 people dance on injustice. One, two, one, two, one, two, three, four. Hey! Dance on injustice. Somebody move your feet a little bit in here today. We dance for hallelujah. I need to explain, because we got to go. I need 20 people to dance on abortion. Wait. 20 people to dance on the ending of sex trafficking. 20 people to dance on racism and hate. And 20 people to everybody else to dance on justice flowing like a river in the streets of Chattanooga. One, two, one, two, three, go! We dance, Lord, today. Seconds of praise! close if you're in this room today and you know you're not a part yet of the kingdom of God but you want to be I mean you want to be saved and right with God sins forgiven and heaven home if you want him to cleanse you today forgive you of every sin you've ever committed and keep you in his grace save you by his power he'll rescue you today all you got to do is say yes to Jesus and I'm counting to three right now and if you want to walk in the light and not in the dark, go to heaven and not hell.
serve God and turn your back on Satan. If you want to walk in his power and his love, when I say three, lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to get right with God. One, two, three. If that's you, lift your hand right now. I need to get right with God. Anybody in this house at all? I see your hand back there. I see your hand right here. Everyone look at me. I know we got to go, but I want you to ask the person on your left and on your right this question right now. Say, do you need someone to go to the altar with you? And if you lifted your hand, or you should have, and you need to give Jesus your heart today, when that neighbor asks you that question, I just want you to shake your head yes and come meet me right here with that neighbor. And we're going to pray a prayer that's going to change the rest of your life. Ask your neighbor right now, do you need someone to go pray with you right now? If you lifted your hand or you should have, come meet me right here. I see you coming, family. God bless you. I see you coming right here, sir. Come on. Come on. Praise God. Praise God. You didn't die. Come on. Yes, sir. Come on. They're still coming. Somebody help me. Stay right here, buddy. Come on. Somebody lift up a praise to God. Come stand with me. Come help me. Come help me. Stretch your hands toward our friends right now. Listen, here's the most important thing all of us need to know. Every person in this room, no matter how spiritual they are right now, was born a sinner. Everybody. I'm not acting like this today because somebody taught me and trained me how to act. I'm responding to the joy and the liberty he set me free to. I want you to stretch your hand toward our brothers and sisters this morning that have come to this altar, and I want you to pray for them like you wish somebody would have prayed for you the day you gave your heart to Jesus. Come on, pray grace on them now. Deacon, come here. I want you to pray with them right now. I want everyone in this place to know that they're born again and right with God. And if you know you're saved, you can lift your hands while you're praying for them and thank God for your salvation. Come on. We bless you today, God. We bless you today, God. You make all things new, Jesus. You make all things new today, God. You're changing our life today, God. Oh, glory. Oh, glory. Thank you for this culture of the kingdom. I pray, God, in Jesus' I Pray in the name of Jesus. We just go from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from dimension of freedom to the new dimensions of freedom you're calling us to. We thank you, God, for setting every, come on, every part of us set free, mind, body, soul, and spirit. Chains broken, yokes destroyed, burdens lifted. Reach over, lay your hand on your neighbor's shoulder and pray a blessing over them before we leave today. Come on, it's going to be a good week. It's going to be a good week this week for them. I want you to pray that over them right now. It's going to be a good week. I bless them with a good week. Open doors, opportunities. Bless their marriages, their relationships, their children if they have them. Bless their families, their finances, their jobs. I bless them and release the favor of God over their life right now. I declare their favor in their mind, body, soul, and spirit. The Lord be gracious unto thee. The Lord bless thee. The Lord keep thee. The Lord make his countenance and face to shine upon thee. Oh, hallelujah. Oh. Receive the Holy Ghost. Receive the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Receive. Come on, lift your hand. The Lord is baptizing people in the Holy Ghost today. Receive the Holy Ghost all over this place. 
Some of you never used, I, I hear the Lord saying some of you were taught that this ain't even real. But there's a power that comes from heaven when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Some of you have been hungry for that presence of God, that power from heaven. I want you to lift your hands right now and receive the Holy Spirit all over this place. Almighty Holy Spirit, fill them today. Fill them, God. Let them overflow, Jesus, with the presence of God. Oh, glory. Oh, glory. Oh, glory. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many are glad you came to his house today? Okay. Shake hands with 113 people as you walk to the doors because the second service is coming in in a minute. Go out the sides if you can help me. I love every one of you. First time guests, don't forget to fill out your guest card. Sign up for Connect Track August 4th. We'll see you this coming Wednesday in the house of the Lord. I love you. Go in the peace of God this week.